When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be entirely dedicated to reviewing the Bengals' win over the 49ers. What's up, guys? This is Evan McPherson, and you're listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Hey, Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce to you the one and only Frank LaPlaca. A signature win. Definitely the best win of the season. Perhaps one of the top wins of the Joe Burrow era. It's a great time to be a Bengal. And it's a great time to be a Bengals fan. All right, so we are now 4-3, and three, and it looks like we caught up to everybody after that horrific two-game start. We're the ninth seed in the AFC, and only four teams lead us by one game in the loss column. And those are the four division leaders, the Chiefs, Miami, the Ravens, and the Jaguars. And honestly, I'm not afraid of any of them. If you take out those first two games of the season and you just think of the last five games, we're 4-1. and one. Now that's the Cincinnati Bengals that we're used to. We're used to just watching them win pretty much every week. No letdowns. It kind of coincides with Joe Burrow getting healthy. So four and one in the last five. All right, so the Niners game. 31-17. Could have easily been 41-17. The Bengals fans were loud in San Francisco. It's nice to see we're traveling like this. Thank you, Bengal Jim Foster. I know you're one of the ones that are leading the pack. Some observations from the game, we had one penalty the whole game. It occurred with 1.53 left in the fourth quarter. That's winning football, that's discipline, that's great coaching. Some other general observations, we had a great run-pass mix this game. And I was worried coming in. I was like, you know, with those, with that front seven and those linebackers, we're going to have a tough time getting mixing going. Burrow's going to be running for his life. And sure enough, we got the run game going. Of course, you saw the pass game was going. Really, the play calling for both sides of the ball was phenomenal. The offense, we had them off balance the whole game. The defense, they scored 10 points in the first half and 7 points in the second half. This is the 49ers, who have been slumping as of late, but they've been dismantling everybody. And to hold that roster to 17 and then to put up 31 on them, That's a great performance by the team, and like I said, it was an excellently called game by the coaching staff, and a great game plan coming in, and a great game plan at halftime. I like that we have the wide receivers moving all over and playing all positions, and honestly, I think it should be that. You know, if if your job is to know the playbook as a football player, and that's all you have to do, is keep your body in shape, you know, keep your skill level up, and memorize your playbook and your adjustments, there's no reason why every receiver can't play the X and the Y and the Z. And I'm, I'm glad that we're doing that with everybody because it makes us dimensional and unpredictable. So you saw Boyd on the outside. You see them moving Chase everywhere. And that enables him to get 10 catches for 100 yards. 
if you think about it, we had a couple games where we were having a hard time getting the ball to Chase because everyone knew where he was going to be and they were double teaming him. The coaching staff made the progression and now they have all three of these receivers playing everywhere and the backups playing everywhere and it's really working and it's the right way to do it. And like I said, that's the way that it should be. Joe Burrow was under center 18 times this game. And he hasn't even done that all year if you combine all the games prior to this. And what that does is it makes the play action more effective and more believable. You know, when you're sitting back there in the shotgun, it's hard to do play action. And they have a big view and everything is telegraphed. But when you're under center and you're able to do that, and apparently Joe Burrow is healthy enough to do that right now, it opens up another whole dimension. And we saw that in this game. Very exciting stuff. And we marched downfield every drive. I know we had a couple punts. But this offense was unstoppable on this afternoon. We didn't let Bosa wreck the game. And then, you know, as far as the 49ers, Ayuk was getting really open. And he's having a great year this year, and you can see why. I mean, there were times there wasn't guys within five yards of him. I don't know what was going on, if he was just manipulating the zone, because he wasn't beating Britt man-to-man like that. So it was a matter of him really knowing how to work the spaces in zone defense. And, you know, there were times I'm like, I cannot believe this guy is getting this open all the time. But he's a great player, as is McCaffrey. I'm I'm not going to go off on the 49ers skills, but he was great in this game. You could see why he's the top paid running back in the league. Kittle was beating the safeties. You know, again, I'm giving credit to these guys. These are their main players, and they really did show up. Kittle got some junk yards late in the game, but we were having a hard time covering him. And Purdy was really doing some damage on the scramble. And I don't want to get too much tape out there on that. Because when you think about it, we're playing Josh Allen. We're playing Lamar Jackson. We're playing Patrick Mahomes. And I don't want them to use the same formula that the Niners were using to get Purdy open in space and, you know, running for chunk plays and over 10 yards on several plays. So those were just the negatives. But you can't, when you face a good team like the Niners, you're not just going to stop them dead everywhere all the time. They're going to have their good plays. But we limited them to 17 points, so, you know, there was some bleeding. We were able to bend and don't break, as the saying goes. Some specifics from the game. The Niners three and out in the first series, and then we go down and score right away. That's a big advantage, and that's a big statement. On the road, in a different time zone, you know, facing a team that has a better record than you. That's just the exact way you want to start every game. We scored two touchdowns in the first quarter, and if you look at the Niners, as I said at the top of the show, they had 10 points at the three-minute mark of the second quarter. So, not a lot of points, but then they don't score again until about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. So, when you look at it, that's a whole quarter gone by, and basically half the game that they didn't score anything. And then conversely, you look at what we did in the first half. Here's our possessions. Touchdown, touchdown, missed field goal. Fumble at their five-yard line. So four possessions that all had the possibility to score in the first half. Second half, we have a field goal, punt, punt, then a big touchdown, and then basically a kneel down and just a punt to end the game. You had Mixon controlling the clock in the four-minute drill. If you look at the end of that game, about four and a half minutes to go, Mixon had big runs. Of course, he scores near the end of the game, but he just took charge of that game in basically his home stadium because he grew up near there. And that's the way you do. Everything was complete in this game. We started off good. We continued to score. We continued to stop them. When you get to the end of the game, the Niners are a dangerous team. What do we do? We get the ball with four and a half minutes, and we basically drain the clock, score a touchdown. And like like I said, that's just winning football. And you can beat anybody if you play like that. We had a huge break that that chase play was ruled a drop and not a fumble. 
And I wasn't mad. At the time where I thought it was a fumble by Chase, I'm like, you know what? How could, how could you ever be mad at Jamar Chase? How could you ever be mad at Joe Burrow or Hendrickson or Mixon or any, Higgins or any of these guys that have just shown up game after game, year after year for us? So regardless, it wasn't a fumble anyway, so there was no reason to get mad. But I'll tell you, when Irv Smith had the fumble, I was livid. I was cursing. I was storming. I was saying, get rid of him. I was saying, who are we going to get at the trade deadline? And he doesn't get the same mulligan as a Jamar Chase because, well, A, he's new to the team, and B, he hasn't really done much for the team, and he has made a couple mistakes. But I don't, I don't want to bash on our guys. I'm just, I'm just telling you the difference between guys that you just can't get mad at no matter what happens and guys that it's a little bit easier to get mad when they make a mistake. And then lastly about this game, Tony Romo and Jim Nance, I love that broadcasting team. And see, that's the thing. If you're a Dallas Cowboy and... There's a lot of people that hate the Cowboys. So a lot of people look at Romo, oh, he's a Cowboys quarterback, he's a pretty boy. You know, it's I, it's easy to not like someone like that, that I guess you say had a charmed life. But, man, he's a great announcer. And he was pro Bengal. He had great analysis. He was making his predictions. It's really enjoyable watching a game. I would love to sit down and watch film with him. He is phenomenal at what he does. And, you know, guys, if you're out there and it's just like, well, he was a Cowboy, I hate him. Or he's a pretty boy and I hate him. Reconsider, because he really is one of the best out there. All right, so why did we win this game? Joe Burrow's passing, mobility, the Joe Burrow factor. I mean, that's reason one. The coaching and the play calling. The pass protection. I know there was a few hits. I know Burrow made his own breaks at times. I know he got sacked three times. But when you're facing that front seven and to only let up a couple sacks and not make their defensive line and front seven control the game... That's a reason for winning the game, and I give credit to this offensive line. Whether they made mistakes or not, it was a great game by them. And on top of it, the run blocking. That's a, a crazy good defensive line that you have to block. There's great linebackers on the second level, and we just watched Mixon do what he wanted in this game, and he can't do it alone. So the, the offensive line was a big reason why we won this game. Turnovers, that's always going to be a reason. We won the turnover battle, but we had key interceptions at key times, these linebackers are playing like Ken Riley with these turnovers. It's just amazing. And really, all three levels of the defense, you know, the defensive front got their pressures. They controlled McCaffrey for the most part. The linebackers went off all over the field with turnovers. And you think about, I know Kittle had a share of receptions. He was beating the safeties. I know Ayuk was wide open sometimes. But aside from that, their receivers didn't do anything in this game. And I'm crediting Mike Hilton. I'm crediting Cam Taylor Britt. DJ Turner is outstanding. You didn't see a lot of Awuzie in this game. And he did let up a 20-yarder or so. But, I mean, all those guys. Jalen Davis was in there performing. The corners for this team are really lighting it up. So all three levels of the defense is my final reason why we won this game. All right, let's move on to my favorite topic to talk about, about the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow. Yes, the 18 for 32 Joe Burrow. The all-time leader in completion percentage Joe Burrow. The 19 for 19 in this game Joe Burrow. So a couple quotes by him, and they're not really huge quotes. They're just things that he highlighted. So first off, they asked him what he worked on on the bye week, and it was mechanics, routes, timing, and footwork. And those are intangible things. Those are hard to practice. If you guys have played any sport, when you have to really think about your footwork or totally change your footwork and mechanics, the things that he's analyzing, he's not saying, I want to be able to throw the ball 80 yards downfield. It's not those things. I want to be able to run a 4-3. 
No, it's the little things, the nuances that make great players, and he's totally onto that. And then they asked him what the difference was between him when he was hurt and now, and things that he wanted to get better at this season. And he says, athleticism, acceleration, and explosiveness. All right, so Joe Burrow's passing. There were so many great passes in this game, but the play of the game, the play of the year, I believe, so far, is him spinning out of those multiple sacks early in the game to get the first down pass to Higgins. So it could have been a, a quick out for the Bengals. You know, we get them three and out, all of a sudden we go three and out, and, you know, who knows where the game goes from there. Burrow, what, what does he do? He avoids Armstead. Like, I love it. When guys try to tackle him high, he knows how to get underneath it. He just has a really good ability to break tackles. If you don't get him, you know, in that core target area, you're not bringing him down. You know, and you have Armstead, a, a heavy-duty defensive lineman, strong, top of the league, and Burrow just shakes a tackle, and then Bosa tries to grab him, and Burrow gets out of that, and then he switches hands to the left hand so he doesn't get stripped. Kappa comes over, cleans out Bosa, and then Burrow comes back again to the outside. He puts it now in his right hand, and he gets a beautiful pass with a narrow window and a split second to throw it to Higgins on the sideline for a 10-yard gain. And then Burrow gets totally busted by Greenlaw. I mean, he gets knocked down, his head hits the turf, and he bounces up like nothing. So not only did he have the strength and the athleticism and the spatial awareness to break out of the, those sacks and make a beautiful pass, he takes a massive hit that a lot of guys would have stayed on the ground for. And what a touchdown pass it was to Boyd, that touch pass into the corner of the end zone. You know, you want to see all NFL quarterbacks be able to make that throw. How many times do you see that unsuccessful? It has to be perfect. And that's exactly what he did. He put it pretty much in a two-by-two two window of where you could put that ball. Right over the corner, leads Boyd to the corner of the end zone. No overthrow, no underthrow, not to the left, not to the right. Just exactly, perfectly where that ball needed to be thrown. Guys, you got to just appreciate what we have here. This is a special, special talent. And yeah, we're a homer, right? We love Joe Burrow. He could do no wrong in our eyes. But I don't care. If he was a Pittsburgh Steeler and he made that throw, I would have been very complimentary. I mean, like, remember the Roethlisberger throw to Santonio Holmes in the Super Bowl? That was kind of the same thing. And Roethlisberger doesn't throw as well as Burrow, let's be honest. But, I mean, we have that in Joe Burrow. Beautiful throw to Boyd. Glad Boyd got the touchdown. And phenomenal to see our main guy be that, that good. His arm was lively. It was accurate. He was making those tight window throws. And a couple things go into tight window throws. You have to have the accuracy and the intelligence. But you have to have the confidence to say, I can zip it in there. And you have to have the arm strength to zip it in there. And our man has all of those things. And a bunch of strong, accurate passes to the middle of the field. It's scary to throw over the middle of the field, right? It's easy to go deep. If you got the arm for it, yeah, you whip it deep, your guy chases it down. Sideline passes are a little bit long, but it's safer. You know, it's either my guy gets it or it sails out of bounds. But when you're going over the middle of the field, you're worried about multiple levels of defense, you know, throwing it over the first level, throwing it under the second level. And you're worried about guys coming from the left, from the right, from the front, from the back. And Joe Burrow's just been doing that consistently since he's been healthy. 
and 19 in a row, as I said before. I actually saw the Ken Anderson game when he had 20 in a row, and I remember counting. I was like, oh, he's got 12 in a row, 13, that whole thing. And I was doing that with Joe Burrow this time. I so wanted him to break that record. With all due respect to Ken Anderson, I just wanted to see Joe Burrow bust it into the 21-22 range. It ended at 19, but this won't be the first, and it won't be the last. And you could tell the legs are healthy, and I'm so shocked that it just came this way. I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to appreciate it. The scrambles, the quarterback draws, the toughness in running the ball. He, he wasn't just sliding. He was putting his head down and going forward on some of them. He had a big quarterback draw on third and nine, if you guys remember it, right up the middle of the field. Romo had just pointed out that Chase could have occupied that zone. It would have been an easy first. Instead, Burrow was like, no, nah, I'll take it. We're good. And there's a big first down. I believe he had four first downs with his legs. One was on you know, that quarterback push for a yard, but the other three were on scrambles. So four first downs with your legs, that's going to heavily contribute to a win. And then I would love to be sitting down with you guys and go, going over these passes because, I mean, there's so many, and I'm listing them here, but if you're not watching it, it's not going to have the same impact. But he had a first down throw to Boyd at the one-minute mark in the second quarter. He just threaded it. It was down the middle of the field. You know, one of many great throws. I, I was going to say one of the best of the game, but there were so many great throws in this game. He had a beautiful 33-yarder to Higgins on a post right after the Pratt interception. He had that perfect touch pass to Chase. Even though Chase was wide open, same thing. You got to put it in a good spot. The safety was a little late, but he's coming over, and he just puts it exactly where it needs to be. He had another touch pass to Chase in the fourth quarter where Chase had that toe tap and went out of bounds for 20 yards. I mean... We're, we're highlighting about five throws out of 28, but it would be fun to go over even more than that because there were so many good throws by Joe Burrow. And I love him hitting his helmet in celebration. You could see his intensity was up. You could see he was feeling good. And when you have Joe Burrow playing like this and feeling like he is, there's no stopping this team. All right, so I raved about Joe Burrow for about 15 minutes. I guess the episode's over. Oh, no, wait, you're right. I got to pay homage to everyone else. Another future Hall of Famer, Jamar Chase, one of the best wide receivers in the league. I'm just going to list some things that I, observations while I was watching him. Look at the routes. Look at the touchdown. Look at the backflip after the touchdown. It, I mean, he's a big guy. I didn't know he was that athletic. Look out, Tyreek Hill. The spin move keeps happening. Ten catches, 100 yards. They were moving him all over. He had a bunch of catches for first downs. The yards after catch. Catching the ball with your hands and not letting it go into your body. Or I don't get how guys are on the NFL level and they go over the middle of the field and they jump when they don't have to because I guess they're afraid of getting hit. It makes sense like that. But we all, if you got to the NFL, you shouldn't be a guy who has to jump and like get the ball into your body and drop it You know, one-third of the time because it's bouncing off your shoulder pads or your chest. Catch the ball with your hands, guys. And that's all you see out of Jamar Chase. And then the toe drag, like we just talked about, that beautiful toe drag by the sideline. I know NFL wide receivers can make that play, but not many look as good as that making that play. It was nice to see Higgins come back to form with a couple big catches, a few first down catches. Boyd had the touchdown. Boyd had a nice reverse on the ground, a couple first down plays. So the wide receivers are really showing up. Irwin had some big fourth quarter catches, and it seems like teams just forget about him. Ah, you know, their fourth wide receiver, we don't have to worry about him. We'll worry about the big three. Irwin will eat you alive, and he exactly did. Yosibash, he beats Ward for the touchdown on an improv. We're going to see this guy more because you can see that Burrow likes him, and the guy plays intelligently and makes plays when his number's called. 
Mixon, hometown. I'm glad he scored a touchdown in front of his hometown. He continues to plug away and run hard no matter what the situation, no matter what the blocking was. He's effective out of the backfield in the air, and he's fast and explosive. He's looking like a first and second year player, even though he's getting up there in running back years. Mixon is having a great year, and I'm glad that he's. I'm glad they kept him in the building. And you got to continue to keep him in the building. There has really been no drop off in his game. I think this is the best he's played over the last couple years. The run blocking was outstanding. Karras was great. Volson was great. Kappa let up a couple sacks, which is uncharacteristic. But if you take away those two, I guess, bad plays, he had a really good game. Brown was playing hurt and was playing very well. Jonah better than expected. Jonah did not have a bad game either. So this whole offensive line was doing the job. As far as tight ends, Wilcox had a couple nice blocks. You heard what I said about Irv Smith. I, I just, Irv, just step it up. Please, we wanted, we needed you to be a factor, and you haven't totally shown up for us. And if you do, we're going to be so much more dangerous. Defensively, Pratt and Wilson all over the field, showing their typical range and toughness and turnovers. The play by Pratt, which we'll break down in a little bit, was the best defensive play of the year. Wilson has the amazing, he baits Purdy into a pick, and Wilson almost had another pick early in the game on that, on that batted ball by B.J. Hill. So he almost had two. And I know we're getting overwhelmed with the stat, but Wilson does have the most interceptions out of linebackers since he came into the league. B.J. Hill was great. He had that tip pass on a third and six. He had the fumble recovery at the end and just shows up every time that he's in there. Just an electric starter on that defensive line, as is D.J. Reader. You know, he had good pressure all day. He's just an absolute force in there, and he better make the Pro Bowl, as well as Trey Hendrickson. Multiple pressures, a strip sack at the end. He hurts his ankle at the beginning of the second quarter, comes back in, and plays an excellent game. And what I say about him and Hubbard is that fourth quarter endurance. You see it every week. Hubbard shows up at the end of games. Hendrickson shows up at the end of the games. It's conditioning, it's will, it's just the want to win and it's an elite player, and Hubbard is turning into that. He was all over the field. He had the sack at the two-minute mark before the Hendrickson strip sack. So both of these guys are earning their paycheck and more. Sample had a very good game, too. He had a good pressure early, even though he didn't get to the quarterback. He had a big tackle on McCaffrey in the third quarter, and he's another guy, whenever he's in there, he's showing up. Tupo had a great game. He had a nice blow-up of Purdy after Purdy got rid of the ball. We saw Tupo more than we ever did this season in a game and on a down-by-down -down basis he was making an impact so there's a lot of guys across that defensive line that are showing up miles murphy i saw miles murphy downfield in coverage more than i saw him in the niners backfield but again he's a rookie i'm not going to get on him yet he's really done nothing wrong he just hasn't been a factor yet i love the nick scott jordan battle rotation and just like turner and awuzie what we're doing is we're able to integrate these rookies in, get them valuable experience. It's almost like the changing of the guard, but still it's we're not hurting the team by putting the rookies in there, and we're not dissing the veterans by putting the rookies in there. It's a perfect balance at both of those positions. Nick Scott is, is cool with Battle grabbing some of his playing time. Awuzie is a little banged up, so it's not a problem that Turner's in there for him. So it's working out perfectly in that secondary for this season because it's effective, and for the future, when maybe Awuzie's not here and Scott's not here, we have two players that are now battle-tested. I hate making that pun, and it really wasn't, but that's what I would call it in this situation. Cam Taylor-Britt, solid as always. He got a little banged up, but he came back into the game. He 
will let up a couple pass plays because he's usually covering their best receiver and you're not going to be 100%, but he doesn't hurt us. You know, Ben don't break, and when the time comes to make a play, he's always there for it. Uwuzie didn't get a lot of snaps. He did let up a 25-yarder in the fourth quarter, but he's still banged up, and he has not been a liability. He's been outstanding in some games, and you can see he's still getting his sea legs underneath him. Special teams, McPherson misses the 50-yarder, and they said it was a rough direction to kick in. I'll always make an excuse for Evan McPherson. He did the promo for my show. He's a likable guy. He's one of the best kickers in the league. I don't care if he he missed a 50. You know, he didn't miss a 33 to win the game. And what do they do? I know they're going the opposite way, and it's a little bit friendlier to kick that way. But now it's a 56, and they're like, yeah, run him out there. And what does he do? Puts it right down the middle. Travion Williams had that huge 41-yard return. So the 49ers answer our touchdown with a touchdown. Now it's 7-7. Next kickoff, 41-yard return for Travion. Huge momentum swing at the time where the Niners had swept the momentum back. We didn't let them. Thank you, Travion. And on that return, you had a great block by Drew Sample. You had Devin Harper, the new guy, who in the last episode when I analyzed everyone up to this point... I was like, well, he's gotten hurt and had a major penalty so far. Well, you know what? He made up for this because he took out two guys blocking on this play. And Wilcox made a nice block. I mean, everyone makes a nice block when you have a 41-yard return. But Sample, Harper, Wilcox, if you watch the film, were pretty much the keys blocking for that big return. All right, lastly, the key plays in the game. Normally, I'm just going to highlight like three or four. But in this case, let me see here. There's six plays to highlight. Bear with me because there was that many great plays in this game. So first play, Boyd touchdown, four wides. We have Boyd in motion to the right. Now he sets up a trip situation. He's on the inside. You have Irv Smith and Higgins. They run slants from the outside, and then Boyd comes underneath them and runs the fade. I told you, I played quarterback, so that trips formation is something that you just love as a quarterback. There's so many variations that you could run, and the real key to it is when you have two guys going one way and then the inside guy going to the out, or you have two guys clearing and the outside guy going to the in. It's very hard for the defense to keep track of that guy. You know, when they have four bodies crossing in front of them, you know, you figure your two receivers, the two guys covering them, that's a lot of traffic. And then you have the one guy either from the outside going in or the inside going out. Anyway, that's what we did with Boyd on this play. Boyd runs the perfect fade from the inside. He only had a step on the corner, but that perfect touch pass that I don't think a lot of quarterbacks make. I don't care what level you're on. And there's the touchdown, the first touchdown of the game. Exciting play for the Bengals. The Osivash touchdown, an odd formation. We were on the two-yard line, so we're in this run formation. We just had Chase and Yosivash out there. Two wides, Sample and Wilcox mixing in the backfield. Wilcox helps Jonah on Cleveland Farrell. Orlando Brown handles Bosa, but mixing chips. Sample clears out to the other side. The interior of the line holds up. I'm I'm not even highlighting the receivers on this. It was the blocking up front. So we had a double team on their ends, and the three guys in the middle just kept the pocket clean. So Yosivash and Chase do corner routes on their own sides. Yosivash improvises with Burrow, as he did on his first touchdown. He finds the quarterback's eyes. I don't care if you're playing flag football, touch football, NFL football. When it's that scramble drill, as a receiver, you're trying to meet eyes with the quarterback and acknowledge, hey, I'm available for you right now. And Burrow has this high-velocity throw, and Yosivash beats Ward on it, their best corner. And Burrow, you see, congratulates him at the end. You can tell he likes him. That's why I said he's going to get Yosivash the ball a lot more as the season goes by. The Pratt interception, you had good pressure by Hubbard. Purdy got a little bit greedy. He should have, 
I don't know, dump that ball or maybe even run it for a couple yards, but he figured he could flip it to Elijah Mitchell. And Pratt, basically, there's no analysis. It's just an outstanding individual effort and great hands. He tips the ball to himself, catches the ball. Would have been a pick six if he could have stayed in bounds, but I'm not faulting him for that. I mean, that play really changed the course of this game. I would say the biggest defensive play of the season. I've been saying that a lot lately, so maybe it's recency bias. But as of right now, I'm calling that Pratt interception the biggest play of the year defensively. And I just hit the table because I was that excited. Then you have the Logan Wilson interception. He baits Purdy to think Ayuk is wide open over the middle. If you really look at the impact of that interception, you crush Purdy's confidence. He just had an interception. He's not known for that. And now he has another one. And you could just see his body language and his demeanor totally changed after that. And with Wilson, you had great hands. And I would, even though after that it was still a seven-point game, after that pick, I was like, this game's over. And sure enough, it was. All right, two more quick ones. The Chase touchdown. You had Higgins to the left, Chase and Boyd on the bottom. Boyd pretends he's doing a screen. Burrow fakes the screen. And Chase, for just one instance, like kind of hesitates like he's blocking. And he, he just does the fly pattern in the corner. Can't catch him. Safety late, getting over. Perfect touch pass to Chase. Grabs the TD. You don't see the gritty there. You see the backflip, which was Olympic worthy. And really, ultimately, above it all, the execution was phenomenal by Boyd, Burrow, Chase, and everybody involved. But that's a great play design. It just came at the right time. We caught an over-eager defense and just made him look really bad on that. I mean, I've never seen Chase that wide open. Or maybe I have, but it was still very enjoyable to see. At that point, 24-10, I don't care what's going on, game over. And then the Mixon touchdown, four-minute drill. You have three wide receivers, a tight end, and Mixon. You have Sample sealing the edge. He had a very good game blocking. And you had Boyd and Irwin going after the linebackers and the safeties. I, you know, they both hit guys in the middle of the field. Mixon starts out going straight, and then he jump cuts to the left. Bosa dives and misses. And you see Burrow, as soon as Bosa missed, Mixon's still at least five yards from the end zone. And you see Burrow put up his hands. I mean, you could just tell immediately. And someone like Joe Burrow with that field awareness and vision, he could tell even before we could. Congratulations, my friend. And you saw the coach Callahan fist swing in the booth. So everybody was pretty jacked up after that, as was I, as was I for this whole game. And we are back. Don't get down on this team when you have this coaching staff and this much talent and Joe Burrow. I don't care if we drop a couple games we shouldn't drop. I don't care. Oh, we, we're the worst scoring offense in the, in the AFC or you know, whatever the stats are. Don't lose faith in this team. We have a great team here. And I don't care what happens against the Bills. We'll preview that in the next episode. We're better than the Bills. But I don't care what happens. We're going places this year just as we all wished, hoped, predicted, and dreamed. That'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.